Dear congregation who are the Church of God, good morning. It is a great joy and it is a great privilege to share in this service with you this morning. It is heartwarming to hear such wonderful music from the choir and the worship team. Shall we just do that for the rest of the afternoon? <laughs> Lord have mercy. You did that very well and I'm absolutely heartwarmed and very proud right now. So thank you for the effort and for the wonderful singing. Let's give them a warm hand again. May I just give my thanks to the staff team of um, Methodist Westminster Central Hall for the wonderful way in which worship is organized, but also for the wonderful way in which the work of God carries on in this place. And what a joy it is, Ellie, to have you as part of the team. We welcome you. I know you've been welcomed so many other times, but we welcome you as part of the team, and we're very grateful for all that you bring. Thank you to those who are dealing with the young children as they have disappeared to the rooms on the side and at the back, I have warned them that if I don't receive a warm reception during this service, I shall run to them. And they have offered to receive me no matter how I come. So let's see if we're gonna have a service together or am I going to be running to join the children. On the lookout, I grew up in an environment where if you forgot to look around your surroundings, you may one, find yourself walking in a camp that is contrary to your ethnic uh, uh, composition, and you might be beaten up for being from a different ethnic group. Further to that, if you forgot about your surroundings, you may find yourself in the wrong side of the law because you've crossed over to a boundary where you are not supposed to be because in those days there were certain areas which were segregated for certain people. So on the lookout comes into my mind as those moments which sometimes in the day-to-day -day exploration experience and life-affirming nature of our existence, we are often just coasting, just getting along, just going through the motions because that is what we are accustomed to. And on the lookout speaks to me as that aspect that challenges me to be vigilant, to be aware, and to be fully open-sighted in hearing, in acting, in speaking, and in just being. And I was warmed by this theme of On the Lookout when I read in the media of a research that has just been brought out around the issues of Brexit. 
over 70% of Brexiteers has been polled who responded that in order to see Brexit happen, they are prepared to resort to violence. Over 50%, which is about 53.6% of Remainers who have been polled have agreed that they are prepared to go through violence in order to see that we remain and not Brexit. Now, those percentages woke me up to be on the lookout. On the lookout because in our being, in our formation and in our identity as a people called of God, if we do not look out for those negative moments and aspects that remove us from a togetherness that brings us into the face of God, then we will lose not just our Christian identity, but ourselves as a people of God. community of Jeremiah began to forget to be on the lookout. Scripture tells us they were straddlers. Whatever was the popular going thing, they'd find one foot in it and the other in the other in terms of norms and standards. There were a people who were content with straying away from the will of God because that meant for them they were in with the in crowd, with the in thing, with the popular thing. And yet when times got tough, they did not shy away from saying, God, where are you? If things are so bad, why aren't you speaking? Why aren't you here? Why aren't you acting for our salvation? Where are you? And God's response is so clear. You guys are not on the lookout. You guys are not watchful. You guys are not focused. You're all over the place. There are certain things that are at the core of who we are as Christians. And I combine them all in this one phrase. All people matter to God and therefore they should matter to us. I didn't say some people. I said all. And if all people matter to God and therefore should matter to us, it is therefore imperative for Christians of all walks of life, of all places within this earth, and particularly for such a time as this here at Westminster and beyond, to be vigilant to care, to be vigilant to support, to be vigilant to walk alongside each other and say, inspire 
spite of remain or Brexiter, in spite of rich or poor, in spite of class deviations, we stand as a people of God who seek for the will of God to change us and make us better than we are. Have you ever watched a movie called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes? Have you watched it? I'm having currently my two lovely nieces spending time with me. After a long time of being away from their uncle, they've decided they're going to spend time with me. And they forced me for three days in a row from last weekend up until Tuesday to watch Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So I'm an expert today on Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But let me say briefly, the ape Caesar, who knows how to speak and has a level of intelligence that is belying that of apes, is the leader of this planet of the apes. His right-hand man and lieutenant, if we want to call it that, or general, is a, an ape called Koba. Caesar came from a family that nurtured, that loved, and that supported him to be what he had become as an ape knowing how to speak and to embrace the mannerisms that are human. Koba came from a lab or laboratory that was very harsh, that cut his flesh to do tests, that put him through electrification or electrocution, and therefore his heart for humans is a little hard, to say the least. Caesar speaks about how it is important for humans and apes to coexist and in fact has sectionalized the, the land so that humans occupy one part and apes occupy one part and for a number of years there is peace between the apes and the humans. But Koba still wants revenge. Koba wants the humans to pay for what they did to him when he was in the laboratories. So Koba and Caesar are on converging paths that will become one in a great clash that will result in one or the other dying. The long and the short of it is that in spite of Caesar's good leadership, Koba devises a means to get a human gun and to shoot Caesar and then to place that gun in a place where Caesar's son will find it and say the humans have done this. Look, this is their gun and therefore the war breaks up and then the apes enslave the humans. Let me leave the story there, otherwise we'll be here until 5 p.m. Unknown to Koba, Caesar doesn't die, he survives. And comes back to fight Koba for the domination of the planet of the apes again. 
But this whole story is about how we are conscientized to become the people that we are. How we are being modeled to become the people that we end up thinking, if, in, if that research is anything to go by, it's okay to resort to violence. I come, I repeat, from a background where violence was the order of the day, where segregation was the order of the day, where separation and difference was accentuated. And in Jeremiah, when people choose to put their feet in all sorts of different camps in order to be seen to conform, that difference becomes even more accentuated. And when they cry out to God, and when they seek for God to begin to be their salvation again, they have to realize and recognize that it is not God who has failed them, but they have failed God. When we accentuate difference, it is not God who fails us. We fail God. When we accentuate economic and social stratification, it is not God who says we should look at each other askance, but it is our will and our choice to choose to look at each other in skew ways. When our world and our city comes into turmoil because of the way that we have chosen, we can't then turn around and say, God, we are okay, we are perfect, we do all that is right, it's just these others. Because God, as in Gospel of Luke, will turn around and say, who are you to justify yourself? We can't justify ourselves, but by the amazing grace of God, are we justified? Isn't there a chorus that says, here I am, Lord, it is I, Lord, I have heard you calling in the night, and I will go, Lord, where you lead me, and I will hold I will hold your people in my life. Let's hold each other. Let's hold each other because for such a time as we are living in right now, should we fail to be on the lookout and our world turns itself inside out, we will have to account to God. What have we done? Where have we been? And how are we to respond to the pain of humanity? Many things, my friends, are yet to happen. But on the lookout is about for us seeking good in spite of the cost. The Greek words for good are in two formats. The first one is agathos, which describes the moral quality of a thing. 
And the second one is kalos, which means that a thing or a person goes beyond good to being lovely. On the lookout is about seeing the good, but moving beyond that good to embracing the loveliness of Christ that brings us as one into his presence. If we call Jesus the good shepherd, then we are to shepherd each other as well. Because instead of standing on altars and claiming to be better than others, it is time to stand in the valley of sorrow of pain, of anxiety, of a concern, and to say to each other, you're not alone. I am with you. I want to walk with you. And I commit to stand with you in spite of where I come from. Governments have their own plans. Political parties have their own plans. Businesses have their own business plans, but Christians are to be subsumed into all these fears of life with the business plan of God, which began in Genesis when he said, let us make human beings in our own likeness. We are who we are because God lives in us. We have something important and powerful to contribute to our societal ills. But if we snooze and cease to be on the lookout, we can't blame God. Allow me to get towards the end of this sermon before it hits 3 p.m. In his 14th writings, the Dalai Lama is, 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 is quoted as having said, to remain indifferent to the challenges that we face is indefensible. If the goal is noble, whether or not that goal is realized within our lifetime is largely irrelevant. What we must do, therefore, is to strive and is to persevere, and it is to never give up. Christians awake and stop the phrasing, oh, but it is just life. There's no such. It is not just life. It is how we choose to act in that life that makes it godly life. Can I repeat that? It is not just life. It is how we choose to act in that life that makes it godly life. Like in the words of the Dalai Lama, you can be indifferent and be like the community of Jeremiah, but never ever forget that you can't then turn around and say, where is God when all this is going on?
and hear, therefore, the promise of these scriptures. There needs for us to be three things, the readiness to challenge. To challenge stereotypes by following Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoicing and praying continually and saying, whilst our world, our city, our country may be struggling, we in our faith are standing firm for God is our help in times of need. Two, let us be willing to agitate for a change away from separateness and segregation. In my almost 15 or 16 years, Martin, the first two years in this country I met racism once. And never, ever again. Yet in the year 2018 to 2019, I have met racism 17 times in one year. Let's be ready to agitate and challenge these stereotypes and challenge separateness and segregation because we will therefore be justified by God in Christ Jesus when we stand before him. And thirdly and finally, let us not be shy to speak truth to power. Do not spare us for your name's sake, O oh God. Do not dishonor us and do not dishonor your glorious throne. Remember and do not break your covenant with us. Can any idols of any nations bring rain? Or can the heavens give showers? No, Lord, it is you. O oh Lord, our God, we set our hope on you. For it is only you who can do these things. Let's speak truth to power. Justice comes when we are ready to stand up and be counted for what is good, for what is right, and for what is uniting God's people of every race, color, or creed, and standing firm as one in Christ. So the question is, what are we going to do about it? The story of Nike makes it most sensible for me. Have you ever heard of the story of Nike or Nike? The, the, the trainers, the, the sportswear? The story of Nike makes it most sensible for me. An Africa manager of Nike was sent to start business in Africa and was landed, it is claimed, in an area just outside of Kenya. When this person landed in that area, he looked around and then he phoned home and he said, uh, which, was, which was America, and he said, sorry guys, you've sent me to the wrong place. Nobody needs trainers here. Everybody walks barefooted. So call me back home. And they called him back home. Yeah. Nike sent another general manager 
for Africa. And he arrived, and in the same spot and in the same place, he looked around and he said, oh, wow, let me call home quickly. He called home and he said, guys, send me a thousand boxes of shoes. Everybody here walks barefooted. And so it goes that how we look, how we remain on point, focused about the needs of those around us, we respond not in fear and not in conformity, but in readiness to serve. I'd like to think I'd be the general manager, the second one rather than the first one who ran. What will you do? Are you willing to be on the lookout?